And so as you're looking back at your life, I want you to start to think on this question that what, what, what has your response been in your life to, to people who try to predict your future? How have you handled, like at the fair, that maybe you see those, those fortune tellers or those crystal balls? Or, or, or what are your thoughts on, on when somebody tries to predict your future? What are the, your thoughts when those salespeople say, hey, your life would be better if you bought our product? Like, your life would be, it would be changed if you just buy this product. If you, if you get our product, your life would be better if, if you did. What about those timeshare salesmen? So you can win vacations forever if you just buy the timeshare. You can be the vacation champion of the world. We'll give you a belt. We'll, we'll give you a title. We'll, we'll give you all these things if you just buy our Timeshare, they're trying to predict your, you see, they're trying to predict your future. I love the new progressive commercial. It's my favorite commercial possibly of all time, and it's called Bundles. That if you bundle your home and car insurance with progressive insurance, you can transform your home to be like a sandals vacation. You'll have the pool, you'll have the massage table, your home will be like a sandals vacation. It's called Bundles. Your future will be better if you, if you did. You, do you, you see that? Well, what about the Bible? What about when the Bible tries to predict your future, right? What about when the Bible makes these big predictions about your life, about life after death, about eternity, about heaven and hell, about being home with the Lord, that, that we were created by Jesus and for? Well, what do we think about when the Bible tries to predict our future? What about when the Bible makes life predictions? What about when the Bible tries to predict our life in the here and now, not just big predictions in, in the, the future, what about when James, the brother of Jesus, says in his book, come near to God, and God will come near to you. Even just that scripture alone, I just felt in my heart, it's for somebody, that you come near to God, and God will come near to you. Do we believe it this morning? Do we believe that the Bible can predict our future, that as we come near, if we put ourselves in a position to come near to God, that God can come near to us, and the, the King James says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. What about when James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, let perseverance finish its work. So you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Do we trust God through the trials of life? Do we trust God that he's actually doing something even when life is hard? That even when life is difficult and painful and we walk through these trials and these storms of life, do we trust that God can still predict our future in a positive light, that he's working all things for our good? Consider it pure joy. What up when James says, if you, any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Do we take God at his word and continually asking for wisdom? Then we're facing a hard decision to go left or right or northwest and southeast, southwest. Like, do we trust God to say, God, I need your wisdom today. God, there's all these decisions. There's all these things that I need clarity on. Do we trust God to ask for wisdom that God will actually give us Wisdom, these verses, and many more are trying to predict our future. I want us to see in this introduction that there's a lot of voices in your life trying to predict your future. That there's more voices than we might have realized coming into the service today of voices in our life, commercials and TV and radio stations and our culture and even the Bible trying to predict our future. And our future is very hard to predict. It's hard to predict what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next year, or five years down there, it is extremely difficult to predict our future. Which means there's a lot of voices in your life trying to predict your future that are going to be wrong. 
There's a lot of voices trying to tell you what to do and make decisions in the here and now that are going to affect your next week and next month and next year. And those voices are, are not telling you the truth. They're, they're lying to you. And there's one voice in particular I want to encourage you to not let speak to your future. And that voice is fear. Because fear is a liar. That fear lies to us. Fear doesn't lie to us about the past. We know the past, right? I know that I had breakfast this morning. Nobody can tell me that I, can, I did not have breakfast this morning. Because I, I had breakfast this morning. Tasha bought me a nice Panera bagel. And I had my Panera bagel this morning with cream cheese. And it was, it was good. And I had orange juice. Fear can't tell me I didn't have breakfast this morning. Fear can't tell me about the present because I'm living the present. I can see the present. I can see you. I can, I can see the present. But fear lies to us about our future. It tells us we're not good enough. It tells us what will never be good enough. The future will never be bright. We'll never have a home. We'll, we'll never belong. We'll, we'll never ha- have relationships in life. We'll never have this or that. It, it, fear is a liar. And it tries to look at the future through, through a lens that, that, that is lying to us. It's trying to get us to make decisions in the here and now that, that are not true about tomorrow. It's, it's wanting us to, to project its fear onto what's going to happen next week or next month. And it's trying to get us to, to, to halt in our tracks, to stop our faith. Fear is a liar. I want to tell you what God's word says here. I'm getting ahead of my notes here. I'm, I'm preaching this morning. And so here's what God's word said. Proverbs 16, 9. It says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. In our hearts, we have a plan for tomorrow. We have a schedule. In our church schedule, we have six months booked down the road. We, we have services planned. We have ideas, concepts, all planned on the schedule. But it's the Lord who directs our steps. So we can't control tomorrow. We can have an idea, but it's the Lord who directs our steps. And if God directs our steps, he has to act in our life. And God says to Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And the title of my message this morning is, what do we do when God shows It's not a matter of if God shows up. What do we do when God shows up? Fear says God's not going to show up. Why ask for wisdom? God's not going to give you wisdom. He's not going to tell you what to do. He's not going to give you clarity. We we say God's not going to show up like that. If I come near to God, God's not. That's fear. I want to tell you it's not a matter of if God shows up. It's a matter of when God shows up. Because God has a plan for our future. The question is not if. The question is when. And today we're going to be looking at three biblical accounts of when God shows up. What do we do? Because the reality is a lot of people get this wrong. A lot of people aren't ready for when God shows up and they they get it wrong. They they, they miss it because they're not ready for God to show up in their life. And I want you to be ready because I believe God is going to show up in your life. I believe that prayer request, that miracle you've been desiring, that, that, that wisdom you've been asking for, I believe God's going to show up. He's going to whisper in your heart. He's going to whisper in your life. Sometimes he's going to shout. But I want to tell you, God is going to show up because our God always shows up up. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And it's never on our time. It's never what we think. But, but I want to tell you, God always shows up. And I'm preaching this message today to get you ready for when God shows up in your life. So the first text we're going to look at is in the book of 2 Kings. We're going to be in chapter 6, working our way into chapter 7. 2 Kings 6 is a very bad situation. How many know God is faithful even in the bad situations? 
2 Kings 6 is a bad situation that the people of Israel actually put themselves into because they're facing the consequences of their sin. How many know God is faithful even when we put ourselves in bad situations? Amen. God is faithful 100% of the time when we turn to him. So we're going to turn our attention to 2 Kings chapter 6 to give you some context here. The book of First and 2 Kings gives us a history of both the kings of Judah and the kings of Israel. And unfortunately, most of these kings did evil in the eyes of of the Lord. They would set up astral poles or sexual idols. They would allow their nation to worship the gods of Baal and other man-made images. Uh, and they would face the consequences of their sin. This is where we're at in 2 Kings chapter 6. Let's read just a little bit of how bad it is here in the book of 2 Kings chapter 6. It says, Sometime later, Benadad, king of Aram, mobilized his entire army and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. There was a great famine in the city, and the siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for eight shekels of silver and a quarter of a cob of seed pods for five shekels. To put this in our terminology, it was expensive. Food was expensive. It was hard to find. The besieging army had surrounded the city. There was no food coming in, no food going out. They had zero resources. They were, defeated. They were all but defeated. They were surrounded. There was no going in, no going out. They were defeated. No resources here. This is depravity of sin. Verse 26. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall, a woman cried to him, help me, my lord, the king. The king replied, if the lord does not help you, where can I get help for you? From the threshing floor? From the wine press? Then he asked her, what's the matter? Again, the depravity of sin. There's no resources. The king is, is wanting to help. He's saying, where can I go? I can't go to the wine press. I can't go to the grocery stores. There's nothing there. I can't, I can't give you anything. I'm, I'm helpless at this point. We're all but defeated because this king of Aram had surrounded. They were defeated. They were surrounded. Let's keep reading here. When the king heard the woman's words, he, I'm sorry, verse 28, he asked her, what's the matter? She answered, the woman said to me, give up your son so we may eat him today and tomorrow we'll eat my son. So we cooked my son and ate him. The next day I said to her, give up your son so we may eat him. But she had hidden him. I want to tell you, this is the depravity of sin. I wrestle with this every time I, I, I preach from this text. I wrestle with this every time I preach from this text. This is the depravity of sin. And we say, that's just back then. They, they went, we wouldn't do that today. Do you want to, I want to tell you, we... we that there's evil happening in our world today, just as evil as, as what's happening in Jerusalem that day, or in Samaria that day. Do you know there's evil happening right here in, in our state, just as bad as this? Do you, know, do you know human trafficking is the number one business in our world today, and as America is the number one defender, and Ohio's right up there among the states? Do you know what's happening right here in our county? Do you know there's evil happening right here in Craig Beach and Lake Milton that's just as evil as this today? It's the depravity of sin. And without God, we're, we're hopeless. Without God, we have no resources. Without God, we are powerless against our sin. We're, without God, we're powerless. It's the depravity of sin. Let's read what happened. When the king heard the woman's words, he tore his robes and he went along the wall. And the people looked, and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. He said, May God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if the head of Elisha, son of Shaphat, remains on his shoulders today. So they wanted to blame God. It's God's fault we're in this mess. It's God's fault we're, we're facing the depravity of our sin. Elisha is the man of God, so it's God's fault. Verse 32, now Elisha was sitting in his house, and the elders were sitting with him. The king sent a messenger ahead, but 
But before he arrived, Elijah said to the elders, Don't you see how this murderer is sending someone to cut off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold it shut against him. Is not the sound of his master's footsteps behind him? While he was still talking to them, the messenger came down to him. And the king said, This disaster is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? It's fear. Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says about this time tomorrow. A seed of flour will sell for a shekel and two seeds of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning said to the man of God, Look, even if the Lord should open up the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? You will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha, but you will not eat any of it. I want to tell you, church, never underestimate the power of our God. Never underestimate the power of our God. And there's a couple things from this text I really want us to grasp today. The first concept here we can't ignore is the depravity of sin. The people were at the point where they had no resource. If God didn't show up, they, they, were, they were defeated. There was no hope. They were surrounded, besieged. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is that the depravity of sin is greater than we might imagine. They put themselves in the situation, but God, our God, is faithful even when, when we're facing bad situations. There's a little phrase, in this, little phrase in this text that underscore that Israel started to see that their only hope was in the Lord. Their only hope was in the Lord. And Elisha prophesies here that, that tomorrow this, this is going to end. That tomorrow God is going to show up. That, that tomorrow God's going to do what you thought was impossible. That tomorrow God is going to show up in an amazing ways. And, and the, 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 the guard, the, the, the messenger, that the, the king is leaning on, the gatekeepers, we're going to find out later. He says, that's impossible. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't care about our city. And even if God cared about me, even if God cared about my family, even if God cared about America, what can God do? Even if he opened up the floodgates and gave everything he's got, God's arm is too short. God's resources are not enough. And Elijah says, forget about it. God is faithful. God is true. God is, is with us. God, God always shows up. And he says, tomorrow it's going to happen. You're going to see it with your eyes, but you're not going to be able to eat of any of it because you didn't believe in the word of the Lord. And the first point this morning, I want to tell you, when God shows up, expect the unexpected. When God shows up in your life, expect the unexpected. We think God shows up in these little ways and gives us a little bit. No, I want to tell you, when God shows up, expect the unexpected. When God shows up, expect the chains to fall off. When God shows up, expect the addictions to break. When God shows up, expect miracles to happen. When God shows up, expect cities to change. When God shows up, expect revival to break out because our God is faithful and our God is big. He doesn't do it the way we want. He doesn't do it in our timing, but God always, 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 always shows up. Church, this week, just Pastor Cody was testifying to me about one of our friends named Alexei. Alexei is a youth pastor in Boardman. And Alexei, his son in the womb, still his wife is pregnant. And they have a, a healthy baby right now. But two weeks ago, they were praying over this baby because this baby, they, they had seen develop two cysts on his brain that were, that were growing. And they brought this request to the church last Sunday. And they had the church pray that this baby would be healed of these cysts. That these cysts would be gone in the name of Jesus. And guess what happened when they went to the doctor this past week? Those cysts were gone, right? I want to tell you, when God shows up, expect 
the unexpected. This gatekeeper, this messenger, he was listening to the voice of fear. Don't listen to the voice of fear in your life. The voice of fear wants to have a foothold in your life. He doesn't want you to know this, that he's there. He just wants to have a little foothold in your life. If you're a climber, you know how significant a foothold is, right? Because when you're climbing a mountain, guess what you need? You need a foothold to keep you clung onto that mountain, right? Well, guess what happens when you eliminate that foothold when you're climbing a mountain? You fall off the mountain, right? Guess what happens to fear when we take away its foothold in our life? It falls off of our life. It's time to let fear fall off of our life. Do not give fear a foothold because fear is a liar. And fear tries to predict your future that, that you're going to fall, that you're not going to make it, that you're, that you're not good enough, that, that fear is a liar. It's time to take away the voice of fear. So let's keep reading what happened here in 2 Kings. We're going to be in uh, chapter 7 now. This is Elijah said, hear the word of the Lord. You will see with your own eyes, Elijah answered, but you will not eat any of it. Now there was four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. And they said to each other, why stay here until we die? If we say we'll go into the city, the famine is there. If we go and we'll die. And if we stay here, we'll die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and, and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, then we'll still die. At dusk they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, not a man was there, for the Lord had caused the Arameans to hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to attack us. They got up and fled in the dusk and abandoned their tents and their horses and donkeys. They left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. The men who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp and entered one of the tents. They ate and drank and carried off silver and gold and clothes and went off and hid them. They returned and entered another tent and took some of those things from it and hid them also. And they said to each other, we're not doing right. This is the day of good news and we're keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight, punishment will overtake us. Let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. Church, I want you to see here that God delivered Israel without anyone's help. God didn't need Israel's army to go out and defeat the king of Aram. God didn't need a single person to go out and defeat the army of Aram. God did this all by himself. He caused the Aramean army to hear the sound of trumpets, to hear the sound of horses, to hear the sound of battle. That They started listening to the voice of fear, that they began to flee. They began to leave all their possessions, that Israel plundered the camp because our God is faithful. Church, our God always, always, always always shows up. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And when God shows up in your life, expect the unexpected. You know, everyone else got to experience the plunder that day, except for one man, right? The gatekeeper. Because he didn't believe. He didn't expect God to show up. He didn't, he didn't trust that God's arm was, was, was strong enough to deliver Israel. And even if he did, he thought God's arm was too short. His power was limited. And that day when the Israel heard about the plunder, they rushed out because they were hungry, right? They were starving. They rushed out to plunder the enemy's camp, and the gatekeeper got ran over. And he saw it with his eyes, but he never got a taste the plunder that God provided that day because he didn't believe. When God shows up, expect the unexpected. When God shows up, expect the unexpected. You know, this week we were watching uh, Bear Gorilla's Survivor Man. 
I love survivor shows, and Bear Grylls was teaching a bunch of novices how to survive in the wilderness. He says the first thing you do is you build a shelter because you need a shelter, the first thing. Second thing you do is you need to find water because you can survive three days without water. But, but, so you need water second. And third, you need to find food because you can survive 12 days without food. So shelter, food, water, number one, number two, number three. The first thing when God shows up, expect the unexpected. Expect it. Expect the unexpected. God can do the miraculous. The second story we're going to read about in our Bibles is, is in the book of Mark. It's continuing our series. If you want to turn over to the book of Mark today, we're going to be in Mark chapter uh, 7, verse 24. Mark chapter 7 and verse 24. It says, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syria, Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she replied, but even their dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found her child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. And the demon gone. She went home and found the demon gone. She went home and she found the demon gone. She went home and she found the cyst gone. They went to the doctor and it was gone. She went home and she found the demon gone. They went out and they plundered the enemy's camp because God had showed up. God does the miraculous time and time and time again. Our God doesn't give us everything we want, but he provides. He shows up. Even when we don't expect it, God always, always, always shows up. Up and he does, but only God can do. He, they went home and they found the demon gone. This is an amazing miracle story, church. And it teaches us a powerful, powerful lesson. We talked about this uh, several, a couple years ago, but I want to refresh your memory on, on this story here today. We overlooked this in the gospel, uh, how many people Jesus offended. He didn't just offend the Pharisees, he offended a lot of people. And we're going to get into that a little bit. But this woman could have very easily been offended. And so the second thing, when God shows up, don't get offended. Number one, when God shows up, expect the unexpected. Number two, when God shows up, don't get offended. There's a powerful scripture, John 8, 32 says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's a wonderful scripture, isn't it? Isn't that an awesome scripture? You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's simple, right? You know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But there's one problem with that. The truth offends us before it sets us free. The truth, reality, is offensive to us, and then it sets us free. How many know in the morning when you wake up, you, your breath doesn't smell the best? And if you forget to brush your teeth like some of my, my kids do, their breath doesn't always smell the best. If we forget to brush our teeth, our, our breath, and we go to somebody and say, hey, JC, you got some dragon breath going on, right? That, that could be a little bit offensive, right? But then you brush your teeth and it's gone, right? The, the truth offends us, and then we do something about it, and then, then it sets us free. The, the truth is offensive, but then it sets When God shows up, don't get offended. And it wasn't just the Pharisees Jesus offended. Jesus offended one of his three closest disciples, right? 
We had Peter, James, and John. And there's one day that, that Jesus was preaching the lights out. I mean, he was preaching. He was preaching truth. And the people were leaving. The crowds were, were going from thousands to, to hundreds. And Peter was concerned. He's, Jesus, you, you can't be so offensive. Jesus, you can't stop. You got to stop talking about suffering, Jesus. Jesus, you got to stop talking about you dying and resurrecting. We don't understand that. We, this is, you, you're, you're causing the crowds to leave because you're being so offensive. And Jesus speaks to one of his three closest disciples, Peter. He says, Peter, get behind me, Satan. When God calls you Satan, that's not a good day. That could have been very offensive, right? When God shows up, the truth offends us, but then it sets us free, right? The truth offends us, but then it sets us free. I want to tell you today, persevere. Jack Nicholas maybe said it best. You want the truth? You can't handle the truth, right? The truth confronts us with reality, and I want to tell you today, don't get offended with the truth. Let the truth set you free this morning. We need some perseverance in our life. We need to persevere. Perseverance is exactly what this Gentile woman did, and it's why she received her miracle that day, her faith. This Gentile woman is there in front of Jesus because she needs a miracle. She's desperate for a miracle. Her daughter is demon-possessed. The enemy is messing with her daughter. It's one thing for the enemy to mess with us. It's another thing for the enemy to mess with our children, right? When the enemy messes with our children, it, it, the game is on, right? It's, it's on. It, it's time to go to battle. And the enemy is messing with this woman's daughter. But she's a Greek. And we all know from, from, from school, right, the Greek worships Zeus and Hermes and all these other gods of the sun, moon, and stars, right? So, so she went to all those gods, and Zeus couldn't do anything for her. And she hears about Jesus. She hears about the God who can change a situation. She hears about the God who can do miracles. And so she's on her knees begging Jesus, Jesus, would you please heal my daughter? And you'd expect Jesus, the God of love, to say, it's on. The enemy's messing with their daughter. I, I'm ready. I'm going to do one of those long-distance miracles. I'm going to just punch the enemy's lights out. It's, it's on. But the, Jesus doesn't do that. He says, it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. The children are the lost people of Israel that Jesus was coming to minister to Israel first and then to the Gentile. And she, she, Jesus, if you didn't catch it here, let me just tell you, Jesus called this woman a, a dog. It's in the Bible. It's, it's, we just read it. Jesus called this woman a dog. This woman's in a desperate situation for a dog, and Jesus just called her a dog. It's offensive. This woman could have just left and wrote a big rant on Facebook. This Jesus, he, she, he just called me a dog. And she would have got several comments and several likes, right? Because that's what we do. We get offended. But this woman didn't get offended. She, she stayed there. And she realized something in Jesus' words here. Because all the other Jews would call her a, a wild dog. And Pastor Robert uh, Madu just pre preached this, this part of this message one, one, several years ago. That just, it's always stuck with me. He went back to this Hebrew word that, that the other Jews would call this woman a, a wild dog. But Jesus called her a pet dog. Because a pet dog is at the master's table. A pet dog has a name. A pet dog gets to be part of the, the family. My sister just bought a dog and they, they hug on it and they love it. They, they treat it nice. 
A pet dog has a place in the family. And this woman says, you didn't call me a wild dog. You called me a pet dog. Wait a minute. The, the, the dogs get to eat the crumbs off the master's table. Jesus, would you heal my daughter? She didn't get offended. She persevered and says, Jesus, would you heal my daughter? Would you just give me a crumb off the table that my daughter would be healed? She persevered. And Jesus says, today, your daughter is healed. I don't want you to take this too far. Jesus, it wasn't a matter of significance. It was a matter of precedence. It wasn't a matter of significance. This, this woman wasn't insignificant. She was significant. It was a matter of precedence. That Jesus came with a specific mission to seek and to save the lost, to train up his disciples. He wasn't saying you're not insignificant. He's saying it's not a precedence right now. It's like going to the emergency room with a, a broken finger. And at first, you're the only one in the emergency room, and all the doctors and the nurses are, are attending your broken finger. And then all of a sudden, a, a gunshot wound comes in, and all the nurses and the doctors, they give you a bag of ice and say, hey, just hold that there for a second. We'll be right back. It's not a matter of significance. It's not that your finger is insignificant. It's that it's a matter of precedence. There's, there's a gunshot wound. It, Jesus is saying it's not insignificant. It's, it's a matter of precedence. But th this woman stayed patient. She stayed. She persevered. When God shows up, expect the unexpected. When God shows up, persevere. Don't get offended. The truth offends us, but then the truth sets us free. The truth offends us, and then it sets us free. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Church, it's time that we don't give up. Keep persevering. Keep pressing in. Do not give up up. When God shows up, don't get offended. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. His ways are greater than our ways. It's easy to get offended, but don't get offended. Persevere. Keep pressing in. Keep praying for your miracle. And there's some in the room today, you're praying for a miracle. There's a specific miracle you're praying for. Keep praying for your miracle. Keep trusting God. Keep hanging in there. Keep hanging around. God is faithful. It's not a matter of if God shows up. It's a matter of when God shows up. But there's others today who have been offended, offended by God, offended by his people, offended by the world, offended by the past. I want to tell you, don't get offended. Let God work through the offense. Let God work to forgive. Let God work his wisdom to understand his ways and his truth. Let, don't get offended. Let God give you patience through the offense. Keep persevering. Are you with me today? We're, we're traveling. This is a different kind of message. One. When God shows up, expect the unexpected. When God shows up, don't get offended. Persevere. Number three, we're going to look at Luke chapter 17 and verse 11. Luke chapter 17 and verse 11. It says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy, it's kind of the theme of the day, leprosy, met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as he went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was cleansed, came back praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Number one, expect the unexpected. Number two, don't get offended, persevere. Number three, give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise. Give God 
praise. Let praise arise. Let, let pray, when God shows up, give God praise. When, when we experience the presence of the Lord on Sunday morning worship, give God praise. Praise. When God shows up in your life on Monday, give God praise. When you're in the car and the Lord speaks to you, give God praise. When you're listening to a book or reading a book and God speaks to you, when you see creation, you see God's beauty, give God praise. Expect the unexpected. Don't get offended and give God praise. Only one out of ten came back to thank God for their healing, church. Only one out of ten, and the, the one was a Samaritan. Jesus is giving a point here that we're not used to giving thanks. Give God praise. Push past the offense. Expect the unexpected. And then when God shows up in your life, when those cysts are gone, give God praise. Remember those lepers in the first story? They said, it's not right for us to keep this to ourselves. Let's go tell about what God has done. Let's give God praise this morning. You know, this, yesterday we were having a breakfast conversation and one of our, our my youngest, Canaan, was having a, a hard time as he so often does and he was being very selfish and he was telling Nicholas that he trusts himself more than he trusts God. And he's four. And I'm trying to explain. Nicholas is wanting him to get it. Nicholas is wanting to evangelize his younger brother, Canaan. He's wanting Canaan to understand that we can trust, we need to trust God more than we trust ourselves. And Canaan is four. He doesn't quite grasp it yet. I'm trying to explain these very theological concepts to my son, four-year-old Canaan. I'm saying, Canaan, do you realize that you can trust everything else, but everything else is eventually going to let you down. Even yourself, one day you're going to get old and your body's going to let you down. And, and death is 100% reality, but the truth sets us free. Jesus is the only one we can rely on. And when we rely on Jesus, we win. And when we win, we need to give God the praise, not worship ourselves, but to worship the Savior, to worship Jesus. And I'm trying to explain to my four-year-old son, this truth is going to, gonna, this temptation is always going to come at you, but the truth will always set you free. And when it sets you free, give God the praise that he deserves. Amen? Amen. So what I want to do this morning as we close out this message is to give God praise. We saw last week at our annual business meeting that God has done some amazing works in our church. That there's been nothing short of miracles happen in the life of our church this past year. God has done amazing, amazing things. Salvations, baptisms, baptisms in the spirit, uh, missions giving. We're, we're reaching the world through, through our missions programs, through, through our parent church in, in Newton Falls, through our, our parent affiliated church in Newton Falls. That we're, we're doing some amazing things. And we need to give God praise this morning. So we're going to ask the worship team to come and to begin to lead us in worship and singing how great is our God. But I want to just encourage you from your own heart to begin to give God praise. I want to go back to that first story about Elisha. You know, Elisha saw the miracle before the miracle happened. I think God today is looking for some Elishas who see the miracle happen before the miracle happens. They see God show up before God actually shows up. We need some Elishas to, today to, to see that, that, that God's going, going to show up. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when God is going to show up. And today I want to, want to encourage you to give God praise praise. I want to encourage you to give God the praise. A lot of people don't know how to handle it when God shows up. I want to tell you, expect the unexpected. 